everybody. I'm Andrea Siminski, and this is the Hindsight's 2020 podcast. On today's episode, I'm chatting with my cousin Sonal about the loss of our grandmother in late 2019 and how she's processing, grieving, and celebrating her life. We also chat about the surprising upside to slowing down. If ever there was an episode where you'll feel like a fly on the wall, this one's it. I hope you enjoy. All right, Son, will you do me a favor? Can you just introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. I'm Sonal Damani. I was born and raised in Nairobi, Kenya, and have been in America since I was 15. I live in Houston, Texas, and am a tax attorney for an oil and gas company. Married to my wife, Brooke, for almost seven years. We have four fur babies, um, a runner and an introvert. And I'm Andrea's cousin. Yes, you are. (laughs) Oh, so that's so funny. You're not too much of an introvert. You're doing this podcast. Uh, You're coming out of your comfort zone. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Brooke always tells me I do need to get out of my comfort zone. And she also says that when I'm running or meeting doggies, I'm definitely not an introvert. I turn into a person that she doesn't recognize. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? So you, you've identified the outlets that make you you. Well, as you know, the premise of this podcast is sort of to look back at last year, the events during the pandemic, and just talk about how things kind of came up for you as a guest. So I'm I'm curious to hear from your perspective what sort of the results of the stay-at-home order were for you and how they manifested and what came of it. Yeah. So, you know, I think that for me, maybe I'll start by talking a little bit about the pre-pandemic days and kind of my routine. And so I said, I'm a runner. And so before the pandemic and for many years, when I run, I run with a group. And we usually have long day, long runs on Saturdays, during which we spend a lot of our runs talking, chatting, laughing, crying, and it's just therapy. And of course, then before the pandemic, like a lot of people, we were working from an office and just had that routine going. So once the lockdown happened, you know, for us, just like for a lot of people, We had to work from home. We couldn't go to the stores initially without masks on. So it was just a big adjustment. Working from home was a big hooray for me, especially with the fur babies surrounding me. Thankful that I was still being able to run, even though it was by myself. And we were cooking a lot more at home. And we were spending much more time with each other. And you know, we didn't have any of those pre-pandemic distractions, if you will, like working from the office, like seeing other people, like driving to work, like getting ready to go to work, or, you know, just going to a concert or a restaurant whenever you wanted. So, you know, not having those good distractions made me look, really look inward. And, you know, for me, that's sort of what the pandemic did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're off of this sort of hamster wheel, if you will. You get back a lot of time in your day and in your week. 
you're kind of nesting, you're at home with like your immediate family. But in that extra time, I'm sure that there came a lot of processing too, right? And I know that you want to talk about Ba and kind of rewinding back to 2019 and what happened there and then how 2020 allowed you to sort of grieve. Yeah, you know, so Ba was our grandma. She passed away in October of 2019 and she was somebody I was extremely, extremely close to. And, you know, the weekend before she passed away, I went to McKinney where she lived with Uncle Raju and Auntie Nina, knowing that her time to go was coming fast. She, she'd been suffering an illness for a little bit. And that weekend, I got to say goodbye to her, even though she wasn't completely lucid and was in and out of sleep. And then four days later, when I landed in Singapore for a business trip, I heard Brooke's voicemail that she had passed away. Mm. So you were out of the country on a work trip. Yep. In an unknown place and in a very, very weird mind space because I had to keep it together for a work negotiation that day and I couldn't let my emotions go. So it was a fast and furious day. I was back on a plane from Singapore back to Houston that night. And that's when, you know, I did let my tears flow. But after that, you know, to be honest, I just, I felt pretty numb. I just couldn't get my emotions out. There just wasn't a trigger to let all of those emotions out. Even when we all got together at Uncle Raju and Auntie Nina's house in January of 2020 to celebrate Ba's life. And, you know, for everybody else, we had been getting together every year prior to that to celebrate Ba's birthday. And so when we got together in January 2020, it was very strange that she wasn't there. But yet we were all there and we did celebrate her life. Right. And in a way, it's sort of like you were saying, sort of pre-pandemic and without even knowing it, but looking back, like we were all just keeping busy, busy, busy that weekend, almost to avoid yeah, opening that, you know, processing from happening. But it's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, before we drove there for that weekend, I thought to myself, you know, I'm a mushball on the inside. So I know when I see Andrea or when I see my entire family together, I'm going to cry so hard. I just know it. And I didn't. And so there's some guilt that I had because I thought, well, what's wrong with me? You know, I wasn't there when Ba died. I wasn't there at the funeral. When I saw everybody, I didn't cry. And so there's what's wrong with me. And, you know, I still had all of those emotions. So when the pandemic hit and we went into lockdown, and as I was saying, not having these outside of home distractions really helped me look inward and reflect. And really, that's when my grief hit me. And it hit me hard, cousin. Mm. First of all, I think you had COVID or something at that reunion for Ba's um, celebration of life because you were really sick. So don't beat yourself up that you couldn't get into a space of grieving and being raw because 
you were like splayed out on the couch. Do you remember that? I sure do. And I hadn't thought until you just said it now that maybe it was COVID, but I don't think it was. I think it was just uh, my blood pressure tanked or something that day. And that's why I had to lie down for a little bit. And, you know, I do wonder now that we talk about it, that maybe that was my Your grief. Your man- way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My body's way, you know, my grief was manifesting mm-hmm. itself that way. I don't know. It yeah. could also have been too many glasses of wine, but, you know, <laughs> we won't go there. Never, never. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry to interrupt, but you were saying no that, you know, being quiet and being still allowed you to start the grieving process and it like came on like a flood, huh? Came on like a flood and, you know, being an introvert and also growing up and not really letting my emotions out. It was kind of strange for me when my grief hit me that hard, like, well, what the heck is all of this that's happening? And there were times when I just burst out ugly crying. I think Brooke is probably going to hear this for the first time while sitting in front of my computer, just in the middle of the morning working. And just because a smell or a sight or a thought would remind me of Ba. You know, like one day when I was putting out Scooty and Bailey, which are our four-legged doggies, when I was putting out their food for them, I thought how Ba was never a pet person and a strict lifelong vegetarian would always ask me why I was feeding them meat. And when I would respond that that's because that's what the doctors say and that's the healthiest for them, her response was, well, do you know that a lot of dogs in India are vegetarians and they still live long lives? How do you explain that? (laughs) So that memory triggered Another Mm. memory where she made little rotlis for Scooty and Bailey when she and Bapuji came and stayed with me for a few weeks years ago. And again, not being a pet person, she still made little rotlis for them. She's trying to convert (laughs) them to vegetarians for you. (laughs) (laughs) Or show me that, you know, they'll be just fine with rotlis. (laughs) And, you know, there were times when I told her of rescuing and returning lost pets or donating to animal welfare charities. And her comment was that their souls were probably bound to mine, which just made me cry. And then she too made a donation in India one year to feed several cows for a year. And so it's just that small memory of feeding the dogs that led me down this wonderful thought of her. And I think that that's how I properly began grieving by keeping her alive through all of those memories. Mm-hmm. And you, when we were sort of getting ready for this, you you spoke of your many different families, right? Who also knew Ba. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about that? <laughs> yeah. So you know, my many different families, blood family, and then my running group. And my running group is called Seven Run Three, and that's based on our Houston area code, which is seven one three. That's good. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So shout out there! You know, we in Houston and as runners can be pretty cool and funny. (laughs) We're not an introvert. So funny. (laughs) 
But, you know, as I said, running's always been very therapeutic for me. And I've made lifelong friends through running, which is such a surprise for me because during our long Saturday runs, we just spend our runs talking, we're laughing, we're crying. And the funny thing, cousin, is that most of us are introverts. So Hmm. it's extremely interesting that we turn into extroverts when we're running. So I think it must be some endorphin related stuff that Mm -hmm. we're releasing that makes us open up to each other. Yeah. So, you know, my running friends, a lot of them women, we call ourselves the bat girls because on a lot of our training runs, we run under the bat bridge over here super early in the morning. And we try to not make eye contact with the bats. Oh, um, gross. <laughs> yes. That'll make you run fast. Yes, it's that guano that will really make you run fast. But, you know, all of my running friends, the bat girls, they got to know Ba through my stories of her on our Saturday long runs. And, you know, to this day, we ask, is this granny approved behavior? They knew her as granny. Or ask to this day, what would granny say? What would granny do? I have a couple of friends who are pregnant and, you know, Ba would always just click her tongue when I would tell her that my pregnant friends ran 16 miles, 18 miles with me and, you know, she would just freak out. So when I talk about all my families and I include my running family talking about, you know, all these therapeutic long runs my bat girls, people that I can talk to and was able to talk to before the pandemic. Still can, but during the pandemic, I wasn't able to run with them. And, you know, that just led me to be so much more thankful for them. So what surprised you the most? You know, you said inside I'm mushy. Like I was expecting to have this sort of like cry fest. Now you're in the pandemic, you're alone with your thoughts you know, you're kind of turning inwards, you're out for a run in your neighborhood. Like, I mean, are you like just out for a run or are you pulling over and sobbing? Like what surprised you about all of this? Well, what surprised me is, you know, if I was running outside again on my own, it could have been a trigger like listening to a podcast. I listened to Dolly Parton's America. There was one episode in which a woman in Kenya was featured that really, you know, even that far away, she was so impacted by Dolly's music. And that episode made me just pause right in the middle of the street and sob and cry. And what was surprising to me about that as I reflect on it is, well, what was the trigger? Was it Kenya? Was it the thoughts of Ba, was it really missing her? Was it the fact that I had grown up not letting out my emotions and here I am in the middle of the dang street just crying and ugly crying too. We're not talking about the nice, polite tears running down symmetrically down my face crying. Tell me about growing up and not letting out your emotions. What do you mean? So, you know, just growing up, I had never said I love you to my mom or dad. And I think that was the culture, the Indian culture growing up in Africa, I think growing up in India too, and especially somebody who 
maybe of my generation, I think that things are certainly different now. You know, my brother always says, I love you to his kids. And even though he never said, I love you to our parents, I think there have been very few times that he and I have said, I love you to each other. So not letting out my emotions, happy or sad, is kind of what I saw in very stoic. Very stoic. We're very stoic people. The generation before us raised us very stoically. And I think we're all Yeah, and I think that's how they were raised, right? And, you know, within our culture, especially the generation before us, there wasn't much physical touching. That's a big no-no, right? And a lot of our emotions are let out through physical touching. You know, I think now I've turned into a total hugger. And it's not even, I'm not a side hugger. I'm a full-on bring it on front hugger. Right. And so that's Squeeze a huge so tight you pee a little hugger. <laughs> uh, and you know, that's a that's a huge thing for somebody who the first time was hugged here, just stood with her arms by her side and didn't know what the heck was happening. So yeah, just not being used to letting out my emotions and then slowly over time having been here and lived here and changing and adapting to small things like hugging, to small things like saying, I love you, I miss you, touches here and there, all of that, you know, seemed to come a little more naturally than I thought I had in me. But then letting out grief, that's what surprised me the most. What You know, why can't I let out my grief? And it was in that silence. It was you know, doing things by myself, not having all of those super uh, busy distractions that I think triggered me to just let my emotions out. And age hormones, you know, I don't know if those are also ingredients that go into that recipe of letting out my emotions, but there I was one day in the middle of the street, ugly crying when I thought I was just going on a run. I mean, that's super powerful, Son. I know that you also are the type of person to like look on the bright side, right? With the stoicism also comes this like, find the good in it. And so I know that you're also, you're the type of person that focuses on the silver linings. And so you're able to sort of process this loss, process your grief. And now as you move forward, you know, when, when you have a memory that triggers you to reminisce about Ba, does it now bring a smile to your face? Is it something that like you kind of have, you know, like a sly smile, like, you know, something in your own (laughs) head that like makes you happy, you know? Absolutely. And so, you know, for me, I'd love that you have that observation about me because I do try to look as much as I can on the bright side. I do try to think more positively. And, you know, I think that We spend so much energy doubting ourselves, criticizing ourselves, thinking negative thoughts, thinking about problems before we think about the solution. And all of that energy converted into positive thoughts, I think, just make you happy. And so with my memories, the way that I think I have helped myself grieve in a healthier way is by thinking about Ba in such a way that it brings 
positive thoughts and positive energy. So even though there has been ugly crying because I miss her, there's also been out of the blue, sly smiling, as you call it. (laughs) And I can imagine that it might have looked a little creepy seeing one of those out of the blue smiles without proper context. (laughs) Good thing you were on lockdown and nobody could see you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I did that once or twice with Brooke around. And I think she knows now to not even say anything. (laughs) But yeah, exactly. There have been all these very many sly smiles and it's just something that I cherish to myself that it's it's a memory that I own that makes me happy and it's been a healthy way for me to move forward and start grieving and you know cousin I feel like that's what I learned through running is it's all about one step at a time I'm not going to you know have completely grieved Ba, I don't think ever. I haven't completely grieved the loss of my mom, but keeping them, quote unquote, alive through our memories, one step at a time. That's what I'm doing. And I think you do that also through cooking too. Like if there's a strong tie for you with Ba and your mom when you're cooking, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're the ones who taught me how to cook not using any type of a recipe. So watching them cook was how I learned how to cook. And, you know, when I make things, it's toss a little bit of this in there, toss a little bit of that in there, and every batch of dar will come out a little bit differently. But that's what they taught me. And Brooke and I have a very strong connection together because we cook. And the fact that She's the biggest fan of my dar or my chutney, which, you know, Ba and my mom and Bharti auntie and auntie Naina taught me how to cook and, you know, make better. It makes me feel that, you know, she, Brooke, obviously she knew Ba and had met her and had visited with her and was close with her too. But it also makes me feel that Brooke gets to know my mom that way as well, who she never met. So I think cooking has had that very, very strong, positive impact for me. And it's such a good tie to culture, you know? Yeah, such a good tie to culture. And, you know, I I think about this, cousin, that every time we got together in McKinney, what is the first thing that the kids do is they would go over to Ba and she would give them her cookies or her biscuits, right? The Ba cookies. The Ba cookies. And, you know, I think it's just so beautiful that the kids got to meet and know her. And I'm so grateful that she had her sharp memory until the end. And, you know, how wonderful is it that when we look at our family photos, we see four generations. Mm -hmm. And every time we would go there, everything revolved around food and the kitchen. I mean, I was just going to say, yeah, we're always in the kitchen. And I mean, that dishwasher, Lordy, we need to get them a new dishwasher because that thing is just running constantly. We'll be sure to uh, make sure that Uncle Raj and Auntie Naina listen to this part of the podcast. They're going to be like, we're holding you to it. But yeah, I mean, it literally revolves around food and it makes me so happy. I mean, I love nothing more than eating 
having yeah. chai and sitting around the table and it's just like a gab fest. Yeah. And it's also memories of food. Like just now I am envisioning Ba sitting at the little kitchen table in McKinney and always doing something with food. You know, she used to chop or unseed pomegranate. That's a very freaking tedious job. You know, we all love eating the seeds, but all the work that goes into the pomegranate unseeding. So she was always doing something food related in that kitchen table. And that's just always a a memory I'll have. And probably uh, talking under her breath about gossiping a little too, right? (laughs) Yes. And we're always looking and I'm sure judging. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how many times. So she would she would ask me. So on my way from work to home every day, I would call her. Mm-hmm. I had a good half hour of a commute, and we'd just chit chat, even if it was what you do today, what you eat today. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you how many times she would try to get me to rat on y'all, <laughs> and. <laughs> With a question like, well, okay, tell me for real, who all eats meat and who eats eggs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the Gura kids, the heathens. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my time to tell her that we had a very bad connection because let's be real. <laughs> Stonal's not a snitch. I am not a snitch. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that, truly. I wanted to kind of do a 180. I don't know if you remember, but I think it was maybe in the fall for your work. So post-summer, post-George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Black Lives Matter marches, like this, everything is back at the forefront of race relations in the United States. And you work, like you said, for an oil and gas company, you're a tax attorney. You did a talk, I want to say, or a video or something about, it was Say My Name Correctly. I want to hear about that. Will you tell me about that? Because I love it and I love that you did it and everything about it is so timely. Yeah. So uh, so as, as I work for ConocoPhillips and oil and gas company, and most people's views of an oil and gas company are you know traditional, conservative, And I think that some of those views are justified, but I will say that most of the oil and gas companies are really trying very hard to make inroads in terms of diversity and inclusion. And so last year I was named to my company's Global Corporate Diversity and Inclusion Council. And part of that council, as part of that council, you know, we think about the long-term strategy for how better to attract a diverse and how better to also retain a diverse and inclusive workforce. It's a very tall task, but something that you know I'm, I'm proud to serve on. So the video that I was featured on was actually for our company's Pride Network. And up until five years ago, we did not have a Pride Network. And I would say that that's the same for, you know, several of the large oil and gas companies, at least the ones based here in Texas. So first of all, the fact that we had a pride network and then enough to where there's actually a video featuring several members of the pride network, including myself, is a very big 
advancement for the company. It says a lot about the value that the company plays on our diverse and inclusive workforce. So as part of that video, I basically talked about how I wasn't out to anybody at work when I first joined the company. And that was mainly because of my own misperceptions about how people would receive me. And that letting go of those misperceptions and my own biases and, you know, just the fact that people accepted me for who who I was really enabled me to come out fully in my personal life. And that was extremely powerful for me. And then shortly after that video, I did a talk on Say My Name Properly because our names are such a big identity for us. Right. It's such a big part of of my identity. My parents chose my name for a very specific reason. They had, I'm sure, put a lot of thought into it. Sonal. My name means gold or it means beautiful. Right. And they put a ton of thought into it. And so for people to butcher that name means that, you know, they're not trying hard enough to say it correctly or they don't respect me enough to ask me, hey, how do you say your name correctly? So I did a little talk on say my name dot 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 properly. And I had, you know, anecdotes of how I've been called Sonal, Sonar, Sonal Damani by, you know, a real Southerner and how that makes me feel and what can people do about saying other people's names correctly. And again, for me really identifying as an introvert, the fact that I did that video first of all and then did the talk and revealed, you know, all of this stuff that I was basically taught to keep inside, that has been a surprising perspective of me for me. I mean, 2020 was like your rebirth whether or not you knew it. I mean, you really leaned into it. That's awesome. So, Girl, a lot happened in 2020. Thanks for tuning in to Hindsight's 2020. I hope you leave feeling more connected and able to see your own silver linings. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. Special thanks to my sound engineer, John Kerr of Wayfair Recording. We can't do any of this without your support. Follow us on Instagram at Hindsight's 2020 Podcast and join the conversation at Hindsight's 2020 Podcast on Facebook.